Welcome, everybody, to Dad Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz. I want to welcome everybody here on this Monday evening or Tuesday morning, depending where in the world you're located. If you're joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit our website at deadtalklive.com. This show is simultaneously streamed to YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter every night, Monday through Friday, starting at 9.30 p.m. Eastern U.S. time. I want to say a thank you and a welcome to all our moderators through all those platforms. Uh, of course, we have Saz, Khaleesi, Marie's over on Instagram. I want to say hello to some of our viewers. Lisa is with us on Facebook. Colette, Christopher is with us on YouTube. Welcome to all you guys. Cece Weezy is joining us. want to welcome Gaze. Jax is also with us on uh, Instagram. Carol is with us all the way from Argentina. How you doing, Carol? Thank you for joining us. Zeich is also joining us on Instagram. Like I said, I hope everyone had a good weekend. Uh, it's Monday. Like I said, Monday night here in the United States. Might be Tuesday morning where you're at. And, you know, right off the bat, I got to tell you guys, I watched The Walking Dead over the weekend. And as I was watching this last episode... I just want to say straight off the bat, disclaimer, I enjoyed the episode, okay? I just want to see, get that out of the way. I enjoyed the episode because I took it for what it was. Now, as I was watching the episode, I watched it Friday night after uh, our Friday broadcast. As I was watching this episode, uh, I was dreading tonight. I really was. I got to be honest with you guys. I knew exactly what the media outlets, they were going to tear it to shreds. They were going to tear it to shreds. And lo and behold, when it came time for me to pick out the articles that we're going to go over tonight, I was just trying to find one that actually understood the episode for what it was supposed to be light-hearted uh yeah it was between carol and daryl and their own separate ways dog in my opinion dog was the star of the show but we watched this show for 11 years now and we take for granted all the moments that we don't see in these characters lives the day-to-day -day stuff okay uh and yeah them killing walkers has become routine. It's part of the routine. We saw Carol do it. We saw Daryl do it. Uh, it's just part of life. And after, you know, so many years of living in the, in the zombie apocalypse, it's become very normal for them. I, I, I'm trying to find the right words. It just showed us what life is like when there's no big bad enemy knocking at the gates, when there is not any other kind of life-threatening situation going on, and showed us everyday life uh, and what it's really like for the characters on this fictional TV show. And that's what the episode was supposed to be. It's the first time, I would probably say, if not a long time, maybe ever, that I walked away from an episode with a amused smile on my face. I liked it. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was. 
But yeah, going back to the articles and trying to find uh, at least one person that had some kind words to say about last week's episode, as I expected, there were really none to be found. Every uh, major media outlet tore it to shreds. Oh, and I, I, I knew it was going to happen. Now, this just proves a point to me. If I needed absolute proof, this last week's episode of The Walking Dead gave me the proof that I was looking for. There is no way in hell that every writer that wrote about this episode that just, you know, passed yesterday, there's no way not a single one found it amusing, enjoyed it, but they write to cater to the popular opinion. They knew that a lot of the fans would not like it. And of course, writing especially for publications. It's about money. It all comes down to money, getting clicks, getting people to view your writing so they can draw in advertisers, get the sponsors to pay them. That's how they get paid. So they're going to write. Uh, I would. I, I hate to use this word, but it is the most accurate word I can think of. It's biased. It's biased not against The Walking Dead, not for The Walking Dead, but it's biased just towards popular opinion. That's the best way I can put it. It's biased to conform to what the popular opinion is going to be out there. I got messaged by a lot of fans over the weekend who really enjoyed the show. And then, of course, there were the a lot of them who did not enjoy the show. They, everybody who's been watching The Walking Dead for, like I said, 11 years, expected something to happen in that episode to completely change the mood of the episode around. From a lighthearted mood, a mood where uh, Melissa McBride is fighting with Dog and they, Dog picking Carol over Daryl to go back to Alexandria with her and him looking at them as they're walking away and he's like nice I mean even my dog left me for her and it was all comical it was funny those two what this episode also showed me is that no matter how angry or disappointed pissed off that those two get with each other when push comes to shove, they love each other, not in a romantic way. They love each other like family, like brother and sister, like we've talked about so many times. And uh, CC Weezy brought up a good point. We got to see Jerry. I mean, come on. We haven't seen Jerry since the season finale of season part B, which was back in October. So we got to see Jerry and... Uh, I loved how Jerry and Carol played off each other. Jerry was like very, uh, you know, trying to put up like, yeah, you know, great idea. And in reality, you could tell he just wanted her to leave him alone so he can continue doing what he was doing. And she was just looking for some ways to help. And everything went sideways with her. She... It was not her best show when it comes to animals. That rat 
at the end of the day, the rat beat Carol. Dog also uh, was scared of the rat. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but that rat, I'm sorry, dog was trembling. I don't know how they got him to do that, but he was trembling when the second go around came with the rat and uh, Carol was telling him to do something and he wouldn't do it. He was just sitting in place and you could see his hind legs trembling. I'm like, this dog was scared. I have no idea how the production team, you know, or the dog's trainer that I'm sure is on the set with the dog every time he's there, how he got him to just start trembling. I don't know if it's a special effect they added afterwards or if the poor dog, poor dog was actually trembling or not. But it was amusing. It was amusing, guys. And it was not meant to be anything dramatic. It was meant to be lighthearted. It was meant to show that, yeah, Daryl and Carol are at odds with each other at the moment. And they don't know how to exactly verbalize it to one another, what they're feeling. Uh, you know, Carol stepped in it in the beginning when Daryl tries to talk to her, talk to her, and she cuts him off and tells her, you don't need to apologize. And he's like, I was, I was just going to wish you good luck. And she's like, oh, well, you know, and then eventually saying good luck to him as well. So, yeah, even after so many years of being together, those two are not the best communicators in the world. But yet, they're best friends. And for me, it was reassuring to know that their friendship is so deeply bonded and embedded in trust and love. Yeah, they'll have their fallouts, but they know when push comes to shove, they both have each other's back and they will lay their own lives down for the other. And for me, as a fan, watching Sunday's episode, it reassured me of that. Okay, even when even the very last scene when Daryl got back to Alexandria and he was telling Carol that he's beat, he's going to go get some sleep, dog goes back to him and they both pause, you know, Carol's in front of the garage door. Daryl is standing right at the back gate. He's like, should I say something? And he was like debating it. You know, should I say something? Should I do something? Ultimately, he decides to just close the gate and go off on his way, as does Carol. So their saga is definitely not over. And no fears. We know they're getting a spinoff together. They're going to be fine. It was a lighthearted episode. It made me laugh. It made me smile. Like I said, it was the first time ever maybe that I walked away from watching a Walking Dead episode with an amused smile on my face. I like to see their daily lives on, like I said, where there is no major threat knocking on their door. There's no Negan. There's no Whisperers. There's no Governor that they have to worry about, you know, sleep with one eye open everyone sort of laid back doing their job we know the whisperers trashed alexandria and uh carol came back with her from her run with daryl alone uh and we find out that that 
spoke a lot to Jerry as to what might have happened out there between the two of them. So, you know, don't take it too seriously, guys. Remember, at the end of the day, it's just a TV show. And uh, it was meant for good fun. And I enjoyed it. Now, next week's episode. Uh, and I really think this episode that we got yesterday was very strategically placed just before next week's episode. Next week's episode is the final of the six. Okay, it's going to be Here's Negan, where we actually get to see Negan's past story. This is the episode we've all been waiting for since these bonus episodes started. So I really believe that this episode that just finished was strategically placed just before next week's episode to show us the lightheartedness, you know, nothing too serious. Carol trying to make a meal, you know, with everything going sideways. Daryl's bike breaking down and him having to fix it. They're both like these two little MacGyvers. And for those of you that never watched MacGyver, MacGyver, you know, was a TV show back in the day where if you give him like a, a matchbook and a, a loose thread on your shirt, he can make a bomb out of it. Those two are very resourceful when it comes to just living. You know, Daryl and Carol will have learned to just make it work. If something breaks, they will find a way to fix it. Okay, when it comes to cooking a meal or fixing his bike, it showed us, yeah, they're two different people, but they can both, whatever situation they come up against, they will find a way to make it work. That was also very important. So let's see what you guys are saying. Zoe says the same. Philip Thompson says it was an okay episode. Uh, Colette writes, Carol is definitely like Daryl's big sister. Uh, Teresa is with us on Facebook saying, I loved MacGyver. That episode reminded me of MacGyver. Those two were like two little MacGyvers. Uh, Julia Kramer is also with us on YouTube saying, not going to lie, Carol chasing the rat was the dumbest scene in the show. No, I, I mean, I, I, I could see that. I mean, I could, I respect your opinion. It was funny. It wasn't meant to be the best scene in the show. It was meant to be just lighthearted. Nothing more than that. Uh, Fernando on YouTube writes, I actually liked the, the filler vibe. It was amusing. I mean, it was amusing. I want to welcome Denise, who's, uh, who's with us on Instagram. Welcome, Denise, to the show. So, to the articles. Like I said, I was trying to find some kind ones just for the sake to see if somebody out there could prove me wrong and what I was expecting all weekend to not happen, but it did happen. The Walking Dead Season 10, Episode 21 Review Diverged. Carol gets back to the rat race in Alexandria while Daryl gets to spend time tinkering. Two roads diverge in a yellow wood, but every path leads to zombies on The Walking Dead. Robert Frost wrote in his poem, The Road Not Taken, about two roads diverging in a yellow wood, while the wood Carol and Daryl are walking through and diverged are green, not yellow. The principle is the same. Two longtime friends slowly growing apart, faced with a literal diverging paths in the woods. Daryl heads one way, 
Carol goes another way with Dog by her side. As a metaphor, it's a smack dab on the nose, but that isn't necessarily a bad thing when both characters are intensely aware of just what's taking place between them. They've walked side by side through hell together, but at a certain point, every journey together ends on The Walking Dead. The heaviness hanging over a pretty neatly bisected episode following Carol down one path and Daryl down the other. Daryl gets the opportunity to be alone with his thoughts while trying to scavenge a replacement spark plug wire for his motorcycle. Carol heads back to Alexandria and finds herself adrift in a sea of people, suddenly surplus to requirements with nothing to do except putter around in the kitchen and try to rustle up a little stone soup for Jerry for and for the Alexandrians. Times are always tough in the post-apocalypse, but with extra mouths to feed from Maggie's group, and a city still recovering from the destruction at the hands of the Whisperers, it's not surprising that Alexandria has everything except for food and time. The episode that follows is basically wordless, with Carol spending most of her time talking to Dog, and Daryl spending most of his time muttering to himself as he checks abandoned cars for functional wire to fix his bike and get back home, while Carol embarks on a similar scavenging journey, dovetailing pretty neatly. Daryl runs into some walkers and has to kill them. Carol runs into some walkers, and she has to kill them. Daryl finds some discarded supplies on the bodies of a couple of paratrooper walkers he has to kill, Carol finds some dandelion and nettles she's able to make into soup. Daryl has to go through the process of getting his bike repaired and heading back home, while Carol gets distracted and engages in a little radical pest control. And yeah, she went all apeshit on that wall, no doubt about that. It's a tough thing to make something interesting when it's a person with no other humans to interact with, but Diverged in particular, the Carol sequences is a lot of fun. Well, there you go. She's got fan-favorite dog to play off of, and watching Carol destroy her kitchen in pursuit of a rat that's been skulking around is a delight. It's close to a straight-ahead comedy that The Walking Dead has ever done. And they make a good point. We haven't heard about this comedy spinoff for a while now i don't know if that idea is alive still when i first read it you guys know i'm not too enthusiastic about them making a walking dead comedy spinoff but maybe they're still doing it and this episode was a test run you never know melissa mcbride is nothing if not charismatic as this character and the viewers will be invested in watching Carol look more like Carol who integrated herself to Alexandria with molasses cookies rather than the depressed uh, shell she has been or the remorseless killing machine she's been in the past. 
Carol is still struggling with her place in the world, but it's more relatable sort of struggle, especially for those of us who live in old buildings. That her only two-legged scene partner is Cooper Andrews Jerry, another fan favorite, and the anti-Carol only helps to make the character scenes work stronger. With Heather Belson making every mutter, aside or hushed whisper to dog or Jerry work to give us what's going on in Carol's head without direct statement. Carol wants to do something, anything to be helpful because Carol is one of those people who is unable to take a break. Jerry works hard, but Jerry also seems like he's got no problem enjoying his downtime and where Carol's smile is only skin deep, Jerry's emotions are on his sleeve for the whole world to see. Jerry's confession that he only asked about the soup to check on Carol is nothing if not sweet. And the sheer mass difference between Andrews and McBride make their scenes a visual joy if nothing else. Carol learn sorry, Carol lean and mean, Jerry big and lovable. Daryl still surly, but with time and space to cool off a little. Melissa McBride, and I agree with them on this. Melissa McBride stole the episode. She was great. Uh, Daryl was, you know, Norman was great, but he was playing Daryl, and Daryl is Daryl. Uh, Carol is so much more multidimensional than Daryl, and I'm not knocking Daryl's character at all. But it's true. We know Melissa McBride, you know, in playing Carol. We remember the Carol that came into Alexandria, the one they're referring to in this article, who portrayed herself as little Miss Susie Homemaker, so she can fit in with all the housewives of Alexandria. And she hid who she really was. She was giving advice to Rick on how to blend in a little better. Him, you know... They've been on the road for so long and having to endure all the crap that they endured just to get to Alexandria. Carol is definitely a multi-dimensional character. She has more layers to her than Daryl. And Daryl has a lot of layers too. But Carol, through what she's been through her whole life, and they've both been through a lot. Daryl was abused by his father. Carol was abused by her husband. They both have similar backgrounds, but in my opinion, Carol just has a few extra layers that Daryl does not. So Melissa McBride in particular deserves credit for really making all this fun stuff work in concert with director David Boyd. Carol is chasing what is essentially a camera on the floor. It's high energy and chaotic. And all the while, Dog is just serving up great reaction shots. It shouldn't work, especially not when you consider just how hungry everyone in Alexandria seems to be. But it's a much-needed laugh break. It's heavy-handed metaphor. Carol is chasing the rat mostly because she needs something to do other than think about missing her friend and that she can't really help anyone. But it's fun and light and charming and something The Walking Dead doesn't indulge in. 
Does it revolve anything between Carol and Daryl? Not especially, but Carol, by chasing her rat, makes it clear she's not just going to run away from this particular problem or from her home in Alexandria. Daryl gets his bike working again and maybe gets the opportunity to burn off a little excess emotion in a safe way. If nothing else, the chillness between the two in the beginning of the episode has thawed by the end. I don't really think so. So perhaps it's a reset back to the pre-fight status quo, even if no one apologized for anything. Maybe like a lot of friends, they just needed a little time apart to remember what they like about one another. Very nicely said. Uh, Was this little excursion necessary? Not in the purest sense of the word, but when combined with the episode Find Me, it brings the mini-arc of Carol and Daryl's relationship strain to a relatively satisfying conclusion. I disagree with them on it being uh, resolved by the end of the episode. They really couldn't speak to each other in the beginning of the episode, and the episode ended with the two of them still not being able to communicate their emotions to one another. So I disagree with them on that bit. I did not see that. Anytime it's possible to dig deeper into the minds of the characters to stress their relationship and strengthen their bonds, it's a good thing to do, especially in a fairly contained bottle episode. Undoubtedly, everything with Connie isn't resolved, but if nothing else, they can put this little incident past them and realize just how much they need each other. Carol might be broken, but her real friends don't care. She could run away again, but she'd only be leaving behind people who need her to look past their damage and love them. Wow. Okay, so this person, I like the fact that they enjoyed the episode, but I have a completely different take from what they got out of it. I do not see it as the episode where... Carol and Daryl make up. If if it did happen, I missed it. I didn't see that at all. They couldn't talk to each other in the beginning of the episode. They went their own separate ways. They own they had their own little mini adventure. Carol and Alexandria, Daryl on the road. They ended up reuniting at the end of the episode in Alexandria, and they still could not communicate with each other how they feel. So, nothing was resolved. Uh, If anything, Daryl closing that door and proceeding into the house shows us that he's still not able to yet forgive Carol for all her actions that put the group in danger when it came to the Whisperers in her quest for vengeance against Alpha. He still just can't look past that. He will, eventually... It's just you can't do it yet. So Khaleesi writes, I didn't see that either. Want to welcome Hard Productions, who's just joined us. Zoe on Twitter writes, I love Jerry. How can you not love Jerry? Jerry's awesome. Um, Stanley wants to know if we do this on a regular schedule. Yeah, Monday through Friday. 
We're on every night, Monday through Friday. Stanley also says it's definitely not resolved. Yeah, so it just goes to show you, everybody has a different perspective. You know, it doesn't mean there is no right or wrong perspective. Everybody has a different one. Just like I respect the people who just didn't get the episode, in my opinion, didn't get it. Uh, I'm not saying I'm right, they're wrong. They didn't like it. I found it amusing. I think it served a little bit of a purpose. And I think, and I'm going to mention this again. I think its bigger purpose is to lighten us up for what we're going to see next week. Because next week's episode, I can almost guarantee you, is going to not have any lighthearted moments in it. We get to see how Negan becomes the Negan that we met at the end of season six and beginning of season seven on The Walking Dead. So don't expect any lighthearted moments next week because it ain't going to happen. And that's why I said this episode was strategically placed the week before that one. And I even mentioned this even before these bonus episodes started. The one that I'm looking forward to the most is this next week's episode called Here's Negan. That's the one that I want to see. Teresa on Facebook writes, I 100% agree with you on that. Awesome. All right. So just looking through the different uh, headlines here, taking a look at the time. Diverged is The Walking Dead's worst rated episode. Now, if you remember, the episode before Diverged had that title. Until this past week's episode knocked the prior week's episode to the second worst rated episode. So, as far as viewership goes, or better yet, you know, the amount of people who actually like the episodes, the last two weeks of The Walking Dead have not been its brightest when it comes to what the majority of the viewers like to see on The Walking Dead. This yesterday's episode was the worst rated one ever. And the week, last Sunday's, not yesterday's, a week ago, now that episode is the second worst rated episode ever. Lindsay with us on Facebook writes, I love Daryl and Carol's friendship with all their ups and downs, but in the end they love and respect each other. I That's absolutely correct. Uh, Zoe writes, I wonder if everyone will go back to hating Negan after the episode. I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think next week's episode, we're going to see a Negan we have never seen before. And we have seen Negan be completely evil. And Negan, you know, still in his redemption arc that he's trying to get through right now. But we are going to see, in my opinion, a side of Negan next this coming weekend that we have never seen before. We're going to see the Negan. I don't know if they're going to flash back to pre-apocalypse. Uh, because remember, Lucille was alive during the apocalypse. She survived the initial wave, I guess, if you want to call it, of the apocalypse. Uh, but he had to put her down. We just don't know when. At which point was it? Was he the one that killed her? Uh, did she ask to be killed? Did he wait for her to turn into a walker? And then he had to put her down. However way we get to see it happen next week, the events that we're going to see next week are meant to explain 
how Negan became the Negan that we met at the end of season six. So I'm really looking forward to that. And in the teasers that we saw, that we see Negan dressed up in his Nego getup, in his Negan getup with his um, black leather jacket, the red scarf, you know, tapping his bat on the floor and doing the little pig, little pig uh, thing. That's him, in my opinion, that's going to be like the last scene of the episode. And it's going to probably end right there. That's where I think that scene is from. Uh, Colette writes, didn't she have cancer? Yes, she did have cancer. Uh, now, we don't know if the cancer is what killed her. She was terminal. She was going to die. Uh, but we still don't know the details on how they're going to work that out in the series. That's all going to be explained to us next week. So, anyway, continuing on with this, uh, this article... The Walking Dead's latest is a chore to watch. According to viewers who voted, diverged the show's worst episode on IMDb. Part of the six extended season 10 bonus episodes filmed amid the coronavirus pandemic, Diverge finds best friends Carol and Daryl at the lowest point in their friendship after their hunting trip ended with an argument in Find Me. When the pair reach a fork in the road and go their separate ways, Carol returns to Alexandria and asks Jerry what she can do to help clean up the damage that the Whisperers left behind. And they keep saying all these mouths that Maggie has brought back to feed. We don't know how many there are. We just saw the, the ones that we saw in the very first episode of these bonus episodes. There was like what? It was Maggie. It was uh, the masked ninja person who's Isaiah. We have that other dude. Uh, so I'm counting maybe what? Four? A whole bunch of their people got killed by the Reapers. We still don't know really anything about them yet. And I doubt we're going to really learn anything about the Reapers in Negan's episode next week. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. But... The Reapers might just be a topic that gets left to season 11. I didn't, you know, I would not have guessed that. I thought it would be something that would be brought up and concluded in these six episodes. But we've only really seen them in the first one. But anyway, all these people that Maggie supposedly brought in, how many are we talking about here? I have no idea. We only saw like the four that she came in with, three or four, including herself. So, what, what are we talking about here? 5, 10, 50? But apparently, there's a lot of mouths to feed in Alexandria. We know the Whisperers destroyed all their crops. They have no food. And everybody who's going out on runs is coming up empty. We saw what happened with Aaron and Gabriel. That was an amazing episode. And uh, we saw that pretty much Daryl and Carol, except for Daryl finding some MREs, MREs, which are meals ready to eat, he they really didn't come up with anything either. And, you know, you got to be wondering, after so many years in the apocalypse, stuff is going to run out. There, there's only so much you can scavenge before there's nothing left to scavenge. Uh, Teresa on Facebook writes, these bonus episodes have been totally different from what we're used to seeing. I understand 
why we got these. And I just want to say that I greatly appreciate and very thankful that they gave us these bonus episodes. I'm very thankful for getting some new Walking Dead content. My life was needing it bad. They could have made us wait until season 11. Great point, Teresa. Zoe on Twitter writes, she brought more mouths to feed, but also more muscle to rebuild. Great point. Lisa writes, there was she only saw four of them. That's how many I saw. So apparently there's a whole bunch more that we haven't even seen yet. Colette writes, Dante switched the water pipes over to kill the crops. Yeah, but I don't think that's the damage they're talking about. They're talking about the damage that the Whisperers did when they t- when they came into Alexandria. And the Alexandrians had abandoned it. And I think uh, I even made a remark about it. That I found it funny that the Whisperers walked into Alexandria, did not find anyone there, and they just walked away. And surprised that they didn't just rip the place up. Well, apparently they did. They just didn't tell us until in these bonus episodes. So, continuing on, Carol works her way through a list of chores. We know what about the rat. Diverge is currently the lowest rated episode of The Walking Dead on IMDb, where it's received a 4.5 rating from registered users. The episode went live for AMC Plus subscribers Thursday, March 25th, before airing on television yesterday, Sunday, March 28th. As of March 28th, Diverge is ranked lower than Season 7 Episode Swear, the former worst-rated episode ever of The Walking Dead with a 5.6 score. And that's a big drop. To go from 5.6 to a 4.5. I know a lot of people like to use Rotten Tomatoes for their ratings review. I like IMDb's ratings. Uh, I have a little rule that I live by. If I have time to spare and I'm looking for a movie to watch. And I go through my video on demand channels and I come across something that sounds interesting. I will look it up on IMDb, but of course they're going to make the movie sound great. The trailer is going to be made out to look amazing, but doesn't mean that the movie's going to be any good. So like everybody else, I rely on other uh, viewers' reviews. I have a red line, okay? It's not a hard red line, but I have a red line. Uh, I will go, you know over that red line if i'm really desperate and can't find anything to watch but my magic number when it comes to imdb ratings is a 5.0 it it might sound stupid to a lot of you guys but that's that's just how i do it it's a 5.0 if a movie's a 4.9 my brain is just wired to say you know swipe left (laughs) just go to the next one check out the next one You know, if it's a 5 or a 5.1, then you got me. You got me. A 4.9? Nah. Although a lot of people prefer Rotten Tomatoes and they have their fresh meters, you know, which I think they kind of made a little more complicated than it ought to be. I think you have to go from a rotten score to a fresh score. I think it's 40% on Rotten Tomatoes, which to me, it's like, why 40? Why not 50? But anyway, they chose 40%. And the episode that I was talking about, the one that aired 
uh, a week before yesterday. That was the worst rated episode on Rotten Tomatoes. This one, this article here is using the IMDb ratings. Uh, Lindsay writes, no, Viz, that makes perfect sense. Well, you know, one thing we're, we have a lot of in today's world is content. There's a lot of content, you know. I remember growing up where we, uh, before cable came to uh, my part of New York City, where we only had the five major network channels, and that was the only TV we had. So now there's just an endless supply of content. And if you can, you know, use my scale and watch a 5.1 as opposed to a 4.9, I'm going to pick the 5.1. So anyway, boring and pointless is what they call the episode. Yesterday reads a a two-star out of ten review from one IMDb user. You won't miss anything if you skip this episode. And even though they're knocking the episode, they are absolutely 100% correct. You are not going to miss anything vital to the storyline if you just happen to skip last week's episode. I'm not saying for you to skip it. I think it's very enjoyable and amusing, but they're right. It's nothing critical to the story if you don't watch last week's episode. Another user's one-star review calls the episode mundane, empty, and pointless. It was an average episode that has nothing to offer, reads one user's five stars out of ten. Praising the episode's performance, another five out of ten calls Diverged the worst episode of The Walking Dead. More favorable reviews compare Diverged to the worst-rated episode of Breaking Bad, The Fly One. You know, that reference came across my mind as well. I don't know how many Breaking Bad fans we have in here, but that episode where Walter White is just obsessed with The Fly is one of the funniest episodes on TV. And yeah, it's it's just like yesterday's episode of The, of the Walking Dead. And I, so if you didn't like, if you're, if you're a fan of Breaking Bad and you didn't like the episode of Breaking Bad where Walter is just infatuated with that fly in his lab, you're definitely not going to like yesterday's episode of The Walking Dead. They're very similar episodes. Uh, and it goes on to say they're similarly hyper-focused on a character's attempt to rid themselves of a pest. This, this did develop Carol's character. By the end, she learns she doesn't have to fix everything to, feels like it make, to, wait, to feel like it makes her other problems fine. Reads one nine stars out of ten review, in part. The acting was also great as usual. Another nine out of ten review praised the episode's small cast, writing Melissa McBride... Norman Reedus, Cooper Andrews, and Dog made this episode work with their stellar acting. And it just goes on to, on some of the reviews. I know it was written and filmed during a pandemic and hastily put together, but oh my God, was this week's The Walking Dead definitely the worst episode in 10 seasons. Daryl fixes a bike. 
Carol tries to catch a mouse. It's not a mouse. It's a rat. It's a rat. Diverged. Episode 1021 was the worst episode in the entire series of The Walking Dead, which is shocking since season 8 exists. Ouch. Damn. That's harsh. I like season 8. It's one of my better seasons. Want to welcome Pandita, who's with us on Instagram. Uh, also, Sedis is joining us. Uh, Sanjay says, eagerly waiting for upcoming episodes and loves The Walking Dead. Hard production writes, uh, yeah, season 8 was great. That's what Ethan says. I love season 8. I don't know why people have such a problem with All Out War. All Out War started going at 100 miles per hour. And it didn't slow down to like three or four episodes into the season. So going through some more headlines here, as you can see, uh, it splits up Carol and Daryl, but a flailing episode of The Walking Dead goes nowhere. Let's see, more headlines here. The Walking Dead recap, cooking with Carol. Let me ask you guys a question that never occurred to Carol. How many of you out there would have thought, at least thought about cooking the rat? If you caught it, come on, you can fess up, put yourself in Carol's position. Let's say you, you know, she did catch the rat. It's just that the trap she built was not strong enough to hold it. Okay. But let's say she did build a trap that was strong, strong enough to hold the rat. You catch the rat. You're trying to make dinner or something to eat for a lot of hungry people. Come on. It's a rat. None. I mean, isn't it's like in the same family as squirrels squirrels are in the same family as rats and how many squirrels do we see daryl eating all right daryl would have definitely eaten the rat cc writes no way disease no the disease is on the rat's fur it's not internal to the rats i don't think i could be wrong on that one but i'm saying i mean you would think it would at least cross her mind maybe I mean, it was not a, it was not a shabby small rat either. It was a big, it was, and trust me, I've seen some big ass rats. Uh, I've seen some big rats, and that was a decently sized rat that they had on the episode. But and I'm expecting, you know, maybe one funny scene where, you know, maybe in front of dog Carol starts contemplating, you know, rat becoming part of dinner. But nope, never happened. Never happened. Hard Productions writes, if I had to, I would eat the rat. I think everyone would. If you were flat out starving, uh, I think everyone here would eat the rat. Um, CC writes, nope, it's not squirrel. Eat nuts and berries. Rats will eat anything. Uh, Khaleesi writes, I would not chance it. Teresa, I believe it was mushrooms. Uh, let's see. Lisa writes, well, they did eat the dogs in season five. That's a great point, Lisa. They didn't have to eat those dogs, but they did. And those dogs were just as hungry as the humans were. So they knew if they didn't eat the dogs, the dogs were going to eat them. So I think that was sort of justified. Uh, so we only have a little bit of time left. Yeah, this episode of The Walking Dead, it is what it is, guys. We analyzed it we talked about it it was a setup for this coming week's episode of the walking dead 
try to throw off a little throw us off a little balance throw us off balance a little bit you know give us a light-hearted episode before the real drama that we're going to get on sunday it was also to show us you know part of the arc that's never really come to going to come to an end between daryl and carol's relationship it also goes to show us what people in the post-apocalyptic world do when they're not fighting other evil people so beyond that there's nothing more and if you just sit down watch it and not expect anything more than just that and great acting then you're going to really enjoy the episode that's my opinion so in other news we're going to go into a little bit of horror in the time that we have left this Caught my eye today. The Shining Ending Explained. The fate of Jack Torrance in the classic horror movie. Well, as I remember, the fate of Jack Torrance ended him in that labyrinth frozen. But let's see what they have to say. Horror films don't much, uh, don't much more. They left out a word there. Horror films don't much more iconic than Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. You just got to proofread this stuff. And while that's true in general for the movie, it's particularly true about the ending. After the slow burn of escalating terror that is the Torrance family spending the winter in the Overlook Hotel, the finale is an explosion of horror and chaos and sticks in the minds of anyone who watches it. It's internally remarkable to behold no matter how many times you watch it. In recognition of its significance, I've done a deep dive into the shining ending and have written this piece to explore what happens and what it all means and how it compares to Stephen King's book that inspired it. It's very different from the book. King and Kubrick did not really agree on how to do the movie. Let's just put it that way. Kubrick won out. What happens at the end of The Shining, it's not always cut and dry exactly where the beginning of the movie's ending is, but in the case of The Shining, we'll pick up with with the only physical representation of the supernatural in the film, Jack Torrance being freed from the locked pantry by the long-dead Delbert Grady, who informs the temporary caretaker that he must take care of Wendy and Danny in the harshest possible way. What's more, there is a ticking clock as Dick Halloran is on his way to intervene in the Overlook Hotel's plans. Meanwhile, while Wendy sleeps, Danny walks into her room in a hypnotic trance. I want to get to the part where they talk about what actually happens to Jack. When Jack gets into the bedroom, he taunts Wendy while using his axe to smash through the bedroom door. That's the famous Here's Johnny scene. Dick enters the hotel through the front door and starts wandering around the halls looking for the Torrance family. Announcing his presence turns out to be a fatal mistake as Jack surprises him and lodges his axe into Dick's chest. Wendy searches for her son in the hotel, but instead of finding him, she is treated to nothing but horrors presented by the history of the haunted hotel. Instead of being inside, the young boy is out in the hedge maze, being pursued by his father. Now, back in the hotel, a long track 
tracking shots lead out to the infamous gold room to a gallery of photographs on the wall. This is after Jack is shown dead. The camera eventually focusing on the shot from July 4th ball in 1921. As we get closer and closer, we see that the man in front of the massive crowd is none other than Jack Torrance. And that was confusing. That really is a confusing thing that left a lot of people scratching their heads. So what exactly happened to Jack? What does the photograph mean? That's what we'll dig into next. What happens to Jack Torrance at the end of The Shining, getting down to brass tacks? The Torrance family is in trouble the very second they walk through the doors of the Overlook, while to some people the Rocky Mountain Lodge comes across as simply a place with a dark history and dark aura, Danny's powerful gifts, known as the Shine, are the battery for it and give it its evil power to corrupt those who are vulnerable. Unfortunately for Jack, he makes for a perfect victim to the supernatural forces. To say the least, Jack goes on his employment as, as a caretaker of the Overlook Hotel in a very fragile state of mind. In addition to having recently lost his job, losing his job as a teacher, he is also off the wagon following an incident that saw him dislocate Danny's shoulder while he was drunk. As seen through the various visions that the character have throughout The Shining, the Overlook has taken many victims and installed them as permanent residents of the hotel. Had Jack been successful in killing Wendy and Danny, they too would have seen their souls forever trapped. But instead, it's just he who is rendered psychotic, dead, and everlasting presence in the Overlook Hotel through past, through the past, present, and future, fulfilling the prophecy of Grady's ghost earlier in the movie when Jack is told, you are the caretaker. You've always been the caretaker. I should know, sir. I've always been here. So, what does that really mean? Is that like some kind of reincarnation of Jack keep coming back? Doesn't fully explain it. And I don't think it's something that no matter how much of a deep dive anybody goes into the ending of The Shining, you're not going to come up with any answers than what your own conclusions are. Okay? It's confusing. Jack dies. Okay? Jack dies in the snow. And then we, the film ends. We see his picture on the wall from 1921. It's the same person. So you can take it to mean several different things. Reincarnation. He keeps. He's in a time loop. Keeps reliving it. Keeps coming back to the same hotel in every lifespan. I mean, it's, every, it's up to everyone's. That's how. I mean, Kubrick did that on purpose. All right, he wanted to leave the viewers to come up with their own conclusions and story as to what exactly it means, and then you know, for him uh, and King too, Stephen King, the book is not that different when it comes to the ending to spell it out for us. They want us to come up with our own theories as to what the sequence of events mean. Uh, CC writes, I never noticed until I watched the movie. 
in search of darkness that during that scene where Jack is wandering through the maze freezing to death, he had no breath oxygenation shot in studio. Wow. I never really noticed that. Colette writes, typical Stephen King. Yes, he is the master of horror. And still, being the master of horror, having over 40 of his uh, works translated onto screen, TV and movies, I still feel like Stephen King is a little bit underrated uh, when it comes to the media's perception of him. They've always been a lot of critics out there. I personally think they're just haters. They just don't like for anyone to have the kind of success that Stephen King has had throughout his career. And uh, I think they're just haters. That's all. That's, that's my answer to all the people who like to criticize Stephen King. Anyway, guys, we are out of time for tonight. So prepare yourself. Next Sunday's episode of The Walking Dead is a must-see. Okay? I don't care if you watched any part of season 10. If you stopped watching the show when Negan came on board and you know who Negan is, if you want to find out why Negan is the way he is when you first met him, you got to watch this Sunday's episode of The Walking Dead because we should be getting answers to those questions this Sunday. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight. Please visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com. We'll be back on the air again tomorrow night. I also want to say in the brief time we have left, we are going to be dropping a lot of guest names over the next couple of days. And we might be having a very big surprise guest uh, this coming Wednesday or Friday, but I'm waiting on confirmation before I announce anything. But we are going to be dropping a lot of names over this coming week for upcoming guests right here on Dead Talk Live. So stay tuned for that. Stay safe, and until I see you again tomorrow night, guys, thank you for joining me. Stay walking.